Hello, welcome to your new Rugby League podcast. This is House of League. I am Matt Shaw. I'll be the host throughout the season as we tackle all the big issues on and off the field. We have a revolving door of guests from CEOs, players, past players, coaches, you name it. We'll have everyone on at some point during the season and we'll try and have a laugh in between. I, uh, I've been told quite frequently that I have a, an unrivaled contact book. But anyone who uh, who thinks that will be casting doubt over their own opinion there when they know who my first guest is, because the only person I could actually get on was uh, my boss, James Smales from Reach PLC. How are you? Can you believe this? Of all of all the people, somehow you've managed to blag your way on as first guest. You, you, you've been too kind to me, because let's be honest, I said to you, if you're doing the first one and you're starting with a bang, clearly I need to be your first, you know. And, and you, you've even introduced me as a guest. I'm a little affronted at that. I think co-host uh, is, is probably a better moniker for me there. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I came to you and I said that. I know there was talk about a couple of high-profile people over the pond in Australia coming on. There was talk about an ex-player or two, uh, a certain uh, certain you know, former Man of Steel and all this stuff. Listeners don't want that. They don't want that. They, they, want, the, they want the unknown uh, management guy that's you know got the Johnny Vegas sound-like voice that uh, uh, with the whole accent that they can't understand. That's what they want. They want James Smales. That is what they want. Giving so there you go. Straight away, straight away, House of League, giving the people exactly what they want. That's what we're On a serious note, uh, it's great to have this. But we've we've been talking about this for a while, haven't we? We wanted to, we wanted to do this for ages, but for whatever reason, we never got around to it. Here we are, new season, new start, new podcast. Uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We, as you mentioned, we've got. Uh, we, we had a few people that we were trying to line up. We'll get them on. We'll get them on. We just ran out of a bit of time, but I think I think we'll have some fun along the way. We we will do. We've uh, we've got a good good fair show uh, lined up, and what we're going to be doing over the uh, the course of the season. And thankfully, people will be glad to know that you know I, I won't be popping on that often. We'll actually have people that know what they're talking about. Uh, in, in the rugby league world, but we're you know we're gonna we're gonna put the emphasis on the big stories on and off the field, and I think off the field as much as as anything over the next twelve months, given what rugby league as a sport is facing, more of which we're going to tackle in a minute. So you know we're, we're going to be bringing people a flavour that that off the field agenda, but there'll be a lot of focus on the field as well because what a great product we've got on our hands and, and we'll have some we'll have some laughs along the way we'll have some uh, some special features that will get introduced along the line once we uh once we get up and running like the season gets up and running so uh yeah we're in for a good one but you've done uh, a couple of really good interviews to kick us off with haven't you in, in the uh in the first pod we've got uh said mr Skullthorpe talking about a big game uh, in australia this weekend but first off as i said then big big year ahead for for super league and for rugby league uh, in general with img coming on board with 
the new TV deal that needs to be negotiated with talk of changing the brand from Super League to who knows what, but you'd imagine something with Rugby League in the title. Um, so there's lots going on and you've been uh, you've been down to speak to the head of Channel 4, so you tell me. Yeah, Pete Andrews uh, was speaking or was, was, was available to, to be spoken to us when and spoken to, spoke to him. It's, it, it, you're right, Lloyd. It's, it's a massive year for the sport. We seem to say this every year, but I think with, with a TV deal, uh, it's inevitably massive. I think the land has changed so much, as, as Pete alludes to in the interview you'll, you'll hear shortly, um, with streaming and everything else. There is a lot of interest in rugby league now from broadcasters. And people might wonder, well, why is that? Why suddenly is is there interest? But there's there's no getting away from the fact the rise of wheelchair rugby league, the rise of women's super league, suddenly it's become a much bigger uh, attraction than it has been before. That can only be a good thing for rugby league. And I hope I hope when you you hear Pete talk about this, people will understand that. Yeah, look, we all know we all know there are multiple challenges. Uh, in the world of rugby league and um, publicity and marketing and scandal, as we've we've seen all too well this week, um, but there is a lot of good as well. There is a lot of good as well, and we should we should talk it up a little bit more. Maybe we have a responsibility there at times, but you know, I think I think we can be optimistic about where the sport's going at the minute. Do, do you know uh, this is probably why you've got me on because I'm I'm a uh, a, a miserly old uh, git probably is the best word uh, and I'm a bit of a counterpoint to you because um, I'm, I'm not as confident at the minute I I do hold confidence as I've said before in the product in in the players in in the clubs that we've got and the history of the game and everything else that goes in its favour I just feel like massive strides need to be made. So let's talk about that TV deal first off. I, I haven't got the exact figure written down because, you know, anyone that does know anything about me knows, you know, preparation's probably not uh, my strong suit. So you'd have thought I'd have written down the figures. I haven't got the figures written down. What I can this say is... Normal. This is normally I'm, where you'd have a host who has done it for you, but I am equally unprepared because it's just not my style either. Right. So there you are. Yeah. Like, so... Uh, what I do know is it is around a third. Let's call it a third. I don't want to put an exact figure on it because I don't want to be factually incorrect by saying it's 35% or it's 30%. Around a third of uh, the TV deal is it's worth a third less than it was uh, five, six mm-hmm. years ago when it was agreed the current TV deal. The fear is it doesn't get a sizable increase. Super League clubs need that money. It is the lifeblood for a lot of them. I know there is some really wealthy owners of Super League clubs. That doesn't mean that they like to see, you know, uh, they'd like to see a balance sheet show, showing showing a, a negative and a reduction as much as anybody, even if they have, you know, got enough money to be able to afford it. A lot of clubs can't afford it. We need a TV deal that's going to offer real value to Super League clubs. Now, the frustration, I think, is everybody else's has been going up over the last five years, ten years. You know, football's gone up, women's football's 
going up. I think the darts uh, deal was uh, was higher. I, I think across most sports, the TV revenue is on the rise because of the demand for it. We haven't seen that in rugby league, and a lot of that for me comes down to where is rugby league positioned in the TV schedule now? Because you know, when I was back in the day, when I was hammering my typewriter away at the whole Daily Mail covering covering rugby league there. Thursday night was was Super League night. You know, then the darts came along and it shared Thursday nights with the darts, but it, that wasn't an issue. There was a lot of differential in the audiences and it still held its own. I'm not sure it does anymore. Then you had Fridays. Well, now you've got Championship football on a Friday and even Premier League football on a Friday, which is going to compete against alongside everything else that's out there with your golf and your tennis and, and IPL cricket and everything else that's going on that's, that's really competing for that audience, as well as your YouTube and your Netflix and Amazon Prime and all these subscription services. If I keep naming them, maybe someone will give me a free free subscription. I don't know. Uh, what, what do my kids like? Disney and Disney Plus and everything else out there. Uh, but all, all that, joking aside, but all them subscription services and and your TikToks and, and everything else, uh, you're all vying for people's eyeballs now, which weren't there 10 years ago. And I don't want to sound like the old man with the, well, back in the day, but the point was you didn't have the sort of competition for, for your audience that you do have now. So what is the product worth and where is it best fitting into the television landscape? And I think a decision needs to be made on that note. Premier League football, uh, you know, dominates. But on a Sunday afternoon, when it's 4.30, uh, and they've got the big Sunday league uh, Sunday afternoon show on, they don't schedule any of the Premier League football games when that's on. They don't put any of the games on on a Friday night. How can you put Super League on a Friday night and then have possibly four, even five other Super League games being played on a Friday night? So everybody else is going to them games. You're automatically reducing your core audience. I am aware there's a lot of Super League fans and just rugby league fans in general that are casual viewers and just like to watch it on the telly because it's it is great entertainment. We know that. But why would you not also service your loyal fans that are paying through the door? And I know they can record it on the, the you know Sky Plus or whatever and, and watch it when they get up. Nothing beats watching it live without no. knowing the outcome and everything else. So I just feel like we need to make a decision. Rugby League constantly, for me, shoots itself in the foot in areas where it doesn't need to. And I think we need to make a decision on when a game is going to be played and how does that impact the TV schedule and how much is it actually worth. And and that is a big part for me in in addressing the future of the sport because I said a massive year ahead. I mean, just the name, the brand as well, Super League doesn't work anymore when you've got no. the women's Super League. There's there's lots of Super League. There's a cricket Super League. It doesn't speak Rugby League. For, I'm going to put you on the spot. I told you I was cursed. I'm not letting you get in here. Put you on the spot. What, what would you call it? Oh. Do you know what, hey, do you know what they need to call it? They need to decide they're going to call it House of Rugby League. And then they need to come knocking on our door and they'll say, well, you know, 
for a price, maybe. Well, no, joking aside, I, think, I don't know what you call oh, it, but it needs rugby league in there, surely. Well, this is the thing. I don't know if it does. does um, it I don't know if it needs the word rugby in it. Um, because we talk about we talk about scheduling and, and clashing. The, when people think about rugby, they think about rugby league. I'm not sure that the general person does. I think yeah. they think rugby union. So I think I think there needs to be a change there. Uh, I think there will be a change there. Is is it? It's been noted that one of the strap lines of the new season is we play league, not we play rugby. We play league. There's a yeah. lot of that where rugby is being dropped. They have said that it wasn't intentional. I'm not sure. I quite believe them. I don't know. I don't know. I think when you sit on panels and marketing meetings for months and months to come up with these slogans, I think every single part of it is poured over. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah. look, I, I think I think my confidence, and I'm going back several minutes here because you've just told everyone how terrible rugby league is, which is just what we want on a rugby league podcast. You know? <laughs> Rant, first rant, first rant of the podcast ever season. I love it. Um, but on, on a serious note, on a serious note, I think my com- confidence is maybe the wrong word. Optimism just comes from the fact that I think there is a plan now. I don't think there has been a plan before. Um, IMG have frustrated people. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't included in that at times because I think there has been a lack of regular updates on what they're doing. But I think at the same time, we all have to appreciate this is a 12-year plan. So effectively, we're what? Nine months. It's not, you know, it's 7% of the way through. Uh, And we know what they're going to do to a degree. Uh, and I think we just need an element of patience, trust the process, Arsenal, Mikel Arteta and all that sort of stuff. Um, I th- Their track record is superb. There is, and no one, no one can deny that. So I don't see any reason why we don't think that they're going to do the same for rugby league. Yeah. Is, okay. it a, is it a bigger challenge? Is it a bigger challenge than taking on Champions League? Well, that absolutely is. Of course it is. But they've got the expertise to it and people forget They've got the relationships in place with Sky and various others. And let's be right. Does it need to stay on Sky? That was my other thing. Because what I think, what I think Rugby League needs, it needs a it needs one of these Netflix, Amazon style documentaries that we see. There's a new golf one launching, I think it's on Netflix this week, uh, which is a behind the scenes of the professional. Golf tour. I watched that breaking point or break point. Tennis uh, one, yeah. The tennis one, which was was all right. Uh, we've got a Formula One drive to survive. Uh, we've got the all or nothing series on Amazon. We've had things like Sunderland till I die and the Leeds United one. I I think we need some sort of rugby league one uh, on an Amazon. It needs to be on a major platform like Amazon or Netflix that that really showcases the characters in the game which which we you know me and you are, are probably in a more privileged position than many people listening uh, I say many people listening to you know my mum and dad and your mum and dad who are listening uh, hi to both uh, but we're in a more privileged position where 
you know, we we get to speak to these people, you know, just on and off the record, and we get to see what they go through. We're aware of the trials and the tribulations that sometimes makes the papers, uh, as has been the case this week, and sometimes doesn't. But, you know, there's some great characters and great stories in the game. And I think a, a, a documentary series made properly being a precursor to an Amazon or a Netflix showing live games. And I don't mean exclusive rights, but showing one game, you know, every weekend or whatever would really get, you know, increased eyes on the sport um, and would have, would have a really big impact because what the sport needs is it needs characters. That's what Joe public identifies with. There's one, there's actually a few reasons why snooker was so big in the 1980s. But for those that remember snooker being so big in the 1980s, and I am aware again at the time there wasn't a lot of sport on TV, so it was a it was cheap and easy TV for the BBC to make. But you had the characters, you had your Alex Higgins and Dennis Taylor with his glasses and Steve Boring Davis, and and it was kind of WWE in a way that you latch onto personalities and characters that you like and you would, you know, that you associate with all sports have that, you know, at the top in the Premier League, you've got your Ronaldo's and Messi's and, uh, and, you know, I've, I've picked two players on, on the way out there, but, uh, you know, whether it's your, your Rashford's or Grealish or whoever it is, you know, that young kids can identify with and that the men and women like can identify with. We need more of that. And I think people who are in the game and the fans that go every week, they're aware of some of the, the stars and they're aware of the characters. But the wider public isn't it? We need we need to show them what great people we've got within this sport. And I think the way to do that is through some sort of documentary style. Uh, you know, looking at looking at a season as a whole. Yeah, I, th I think I think going back to your, your question, does it have to be on Sky? I don't think it has to be anywhere in particular. I think I think terrestrial TV inevitably helps, you know, w without and, question. And Channel Four's been great for that. Absolutely, it has. Does it? But does it need to be on Sky over BT? No, I don't think it does. I I think it needs to be on the biggest platform it, it can be on. Now, is that is that Netflix? You know, is it is it an Amazon? I don't know. I don't know. I think I think there are opportunities. What what maybe is the answer is that it's on various different platforms, but more than we've got now. So as a yeah. sport, you you have Sky. Let's be right. People are quick to criticise Sky. Uh, they've if it wasn't for them, the game wouldn't be professional. And people need to remember that sometimes. Um, Definitely. So that you know, you've got Sky, you've got Fireplay, you've got Channel Four, you've got the Beeb. Um would it be better off if there were more? I, I think the streaming market's probably where the sport is falling short at the minute. You know, BBC show the odd Challenge Cup game, you've got the sportsmen who do bits and bats, but I think a genuine, you know, blue chip streaming service, whether that's their own, you know, could that be an option? We've seen the uh the NRL have their own. Could could that be an option? Or whether it is a just a blue chip streaming company that we are, you know, I think it need, there needs to be something on there. Because we've only got 12 teams and six games, 
every every round. Can we get to a situation where nobody plays at the same time? If you've got games on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, two on a Sunday and one on a Monday, could we not get into a situation where you've got six games all played at separate times? All with, what, 7.30 kickoff, uh, with the exception of the two on a Sunday. One kicks off, uh, I don't know, one kicks off at six o'clock, one kicks off at eight, so it doesn't clash with Premier League football, something like that, yeah. you know. And, and oh, just, yeah. you know, and, and then you can split it. Maybe Sky Show uh, Thursday and Friday nights, as they always have. You know, maybe somebody else picks up a Saturday Maybe it's an Amazon show, live stream the games on a Sunday. Maybe yeah. Sky again on a Monday night. Be. I, I don't know, but I'm just thinking, when you've only got six games in a, in a weekend to get in, you know, why have them all on at the same time and on TV at the same time? You know, let's, yeah, let's yeah. spread it out and increase the chances for people to go and see these teams. Well, I think it's round three, isn't it? I think it's round three this season. So the game on the Thursday and then five games on the Friday night. It's, like, who, uh, who, who, it's is that, who is that helping? Who is that it's helping? Third of March, isn't it? It's the third of March because yeah. we've yeah yeah we've we've already discussed uh, we've already discussed what what, a, what an absolute nightmare that is. It doesn't. Well, I, don't see who's benefiting. I don't see who's benefiting from that at all. You might. No you might. Now listen. Look, we've we've talked about the TV uh, era, and we will talk in the weeks and weeks to come. Uh, about the challenges facing the game, and as I said, you know we'll, you know we'll also have a lot of fun along the way. It won't always be serious, and we've got more fun coming up in the in the episode. We'll talking to Paul uh, up about uh, the welcome challenge. We've got our previews for the opening round, and we're in a little look forward to the season, which is coming later on in the podcast. Uh, people will be glad to know I'm not involved. Uh, I'll be departing before then. Uh, but it's the uh, the head of Channel Four first up. So before I uh, before I leave you, do you, do you want to just give us a flavour of of what that was uh, what that was like and, and what what it was all about yesterday over in Leeds? Yeah, so Channel Four did their launch day um, for the season. They obviously are showing Hulk Abbey Wigan on Saturday. Uh, we we're all invited to their Leeds headquarters. Uh, which was the old Majestic Nightclub. That might have even been around when you were clubbing, although unlikely. I'm not sure. (laughs) It definitely wasn't when I was there. Uh, Impressive building. Loads of people there. Um, You know, some rugby league royalty was there, to be fair. Ellery Hanley, Paul Sculthorpe, who were in from later on. Uh, But the, the person that I was most interested in speaking to was this man we're about to hear from uh channel four made an impression on a lot of people last year with a tv deal coming up uh and an appetite for more games on terrestrial tv i decided to get with uh pete andrews and and grilling on all things rugby league and their tv deal so without further ado here's what i have to say first of all thank you so much for your time a new year of rugby league yeah another year for channel four how are you feeling about it and everything that, that comes with this sport that you've already dived straight into? Yeah, I'm really, really excited. I can't wait. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, we've got two matches on Saturday and, yeah, it's just really, really exciting. World Club, World Club Championship, of course. 
but then you know the whole KR Wigan's going to be a belter of a game as well and even speaking to the players today you know, they're raring to go I'm about as excited as them I'm all fidgety and just waiting for the season to start two days uh, two games in one yeah. day that must be quite yeah. the, the challenge but also a, a good opportunity to really get off of the back definitely yeah it is, it is a challenge and obviously one of them being in Australia we've been doing a lot of talking to Fox you know who are covering the game over there and working with them they're doing some shooting for us over there you know and, and that's actually been really really good to talk to them and another broadcaster who's showing rugby league and our, our team's been in, in touch with them so that's really exciting you know and best of luck to St Helens you know really excited Hope, hopefully you know they'll have a really good game out there um, but yeah having that the same day and obviously the, t- the time zone for that's a challenge kick off at 7 o'clock you yeah. know but what a way to start your day <laughs> a rugby league breakfast could be worse and then, yeah it could be a lot worse and then into our game at whole KR which is going to be a great one as well so I'm really excited and when you're launching and obviously the season starts you know, on the Thursday but our season of coverage starts on Saturday to have two games in the day that's great you can't have any more than that how did you find year one it obviously will have come with mm. a lot of enjoyment a lot of satisfaction yeah. but also I'm sure plenty of challenges along the way so how overall was the experience for you again? yeah it was a really really positive experience you know we we really enjoyed ourselves Channel 4 you know was so welcome in rugby league you know that was the first thing the audience was so welcoming but also you know the rugby league governing bodies were brilliant all the clubs were fantastic they let us come do what we wanted to do you know they allowed us to be you know you know on the pitch side and all the players were available every i mean you know it was overwhelmingly positive from everybody in rugby league and then from a channel 4 perspective an audience perspective also really really pleased i mean i think we we've got to get better at letting people know when the games are on you know we're not on every week you know we've got three games in the first two weeks and then there's a little gap till we're on again and what we didn't do very well was letting people know when we were on that's the big learning for us is how do we make sure that when we've got a live game everybody knows about it because you know we would have got you you know on social media people say oh i would have watched that if i'd have known it was on and if people don't know it's on that we've gone wrong so you know we that's the thing we've got to do better on i was going to say is that a channel four thing or a rugby league because you'll know everyone says rugby league's biggest downfall is it's marketing it's publicity and everything that comes with that so do you think that that is just a Sort of a part of a wider issue I think, yeah I wouldn't say in particular I mean we found rugby league really accessible and marketing and, and you know yeah it, it's it's more I think about the irregularity of the games yeah. so it is hard and then it's just you know making sure that we're advertising at the right time you know um, and, and in the right places so that people know it's on really so uh, it, it, it is it is it's just one of those things when you're not on uh, with any program, if you're not on at the same time <laughs> every week, people don't have the habit of watching you. It's like the habit isn't formed, no, you know. No. So, you know, we need to do a bit better. Then. You'll be thoroughly aware that the TV deals up for renewal. Yeah. You mentioned irregularity. Yeah. Would you like a bit more <laughs> regularity maybe in the next TV deal, or is that not an option at this stage? Um, I think it's too early, really, to, to talk about specifics I think you know we're obviously we are talking to uh, rugby league commercial you know we're excited um, and you know we've had a brilliant experience in rugby league 
but I think there are a lot of things to happen over the year. There's a lot of pieces to go in place. There's a you know there, there are lots of interested parties. You know, sports broadcasting in general is entering into a really interesting sort of streamer potential area. You know, we're a we're a terrestrial channel, we're a linear channel. You know, so that's interesting for us where you know where things end up going. And you know, Sky have done a brilliant job for rugby league for a long, long time. You know, and I, I think it'd be it would be a mistake to forget how important Sky have been and how well they've done and all of these things. So it's early days, it's February, you know, and there's a lot of talking to be done everywhere. So but we but we have had a brilliant time. Would it be fair to say without pushing you too much that you're keen to make sure that this partnership continues in some capacity regardless of how that does Yeah uh, um, I you know we we love working with Sky. We we, we do have you know uh, we do Formula One with them, they're a great partner for us, we've done some things in cricket together. Um, it works really well for us. I hope it works really well for them too. I suppose you know it's too early to know what's going to happen <laughs> you know in the rugby league and, and in the world of rugby league and in the negotiations moving on so you know we, we have to keep talking to everybody and and see what happens see where we go you have got a good partnership with img as well we have they won the contract to produce our coverage mm-hmm. so the, the the arm of img because being just to recap so as channel 4 we don't make our own coverage it's it's our job to then uh, sign rights and then you know we have a bidding process and the and the independent production companies of the UK you know we we, we award the contracts to them so the IMG they've done a brilliant job the coverage has gone down really well it's a different arm of IMG than the IMG who are okay. in rugby league commercial so although they're the same company it's 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 quite separate they're not connected um, in any way but yes I mean obviously IMG do a lot of rights and there is a part of and, and obviously Obviously, we're, we're like everyone else, interested to see what they're bringing and you know how we can be a part of it. I think. How much yeah. of a, if at all, influence yeah. the way on, on the aesthetic almost of, of your coverage, the the way that it's presented, the you know there, there are comparisons, but there are also contrasts to how Sky do their coverage. And, and yeah. In a multitude of ways, how much say did they have? Or is that just purely? A, It's a channel for sort of directive to try and keep the coverage really broad and I think that's because we do different jobs in a way your your Sky coverage is for for your core fans and they do a brilliant job loads of games and analysis and and we're sort of our role is then to try and bring in new fans and new people and and have have a terrestrial window for Super League such a great sport you know and we do find that sports without terrestrial windows you know like cricket overtime and you know the terrestrial window I think I would say this but I think it's really important and I think the biggest the biggest uh, casting decision is Adam really so you're putting in not a traditional sports presenter but a comedian but who loves the sport and I think you know that that's that's gone really really well Adam's committed to it 100% he's done he's been really up for it available it's a pleasure to work with you know we've loved it and then obviously Danica Kyle Mark you know they they get on really well they're a really good team and um, I think that that's it's it's that little um, the aim of Channel 4 to just try and broaden the audience and that's where the Adam decision came from that's that casting which I think has made it a bit different yeah 
because he's 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 looking at it as a fan, sure. not professional. And Helen did very much, you know, Helen's Helen was yeah, record. absolutely. Helen was fantastic as well. They actually turned into a really good double act. Mm-hmm. You know, they really get on. You know, they were on the radio together last week. You know, mm-hmm. joking about rugby league. Helen's been fantastic. Yeah, really, really good. We were so pleased to have Helen on as well. You touched on there uh, things that you've done really well, things yeah. you're really happy with. You mentioned unfamiliarity, the unfamiliarity element, and, and trying to make people more. Yeah. In terms of the actual production, are there any changes you're wanting to make? Any slight tweaks? Uh, I assume it won't be. I think no. We won't be. Let's get rid of that. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. No. I. I think. To be honest, we're looking to build on where we are. So. I think you know we maybe be a bit more live, a bit more live this year, and a bit less VT. I think we've we've seen the strength of our presentation team and the pundits in the live environment. So you know we would often, as you know, with sports, you might do preview features or you might do you know more VTs, which acts as in a way it helps you build your program because you're live and while the VTs are on, you can plan and you know. So there's sort of a safety net in some ways. Um, but I think when you've got two really good live presenters and actually Kyle and Danica and, and, and Mark and you know, they, they actually can do really good chat so maybe there'll be a bit more chat and a bit less VT at times and certainly we're on to half past nine after the World Club final so we're going to talk about the season, what's coming up, you know, there's loads of topics to talk about so I think that's probably one slight tweak towards a little bit more live but it's a it's a little turn of the dial because we don't want to we're happy with how we're going and we want to just evolve without too much you know I was going to say in fairness the VTs were really well the VTs are brilliantly done received weren't they they are brilliantly done yeah they are you saw them a lot of the positive social yeah. media engagement was people going, this is brilliant, yeah. what about the game? Yeah. You don't want to lose too much. No, well, exactly, exactly. And, and, and those things that are strengths are, you know, are those VTs and the, the team that make them, they just pour all their love into them, you know, and they're brilliant. So I think, you know, that's a really good point. And, and again, you, you, you don't want to tweak for tweaking's sake, so it won't look a lot different overall, I don't think. Pete Andrews there, the head of sport for Channel 4. Very interesting indeed. It sounded to me like Channel 4 would like more games moving forward, but time will tell. For now, we do have a Channel 4 game to look forward to, and plenty, because finally, Rugby League Super League is back. We should uh, not forget the championship, of course. The big wait is finally over. We've waited months and months and months. It's been a long old pre-season and two gents who have felt that more than probably anyone having to try and write stuff day in day out uh the two that join me now joe appleyard our whole kr reporter and dan tomlinson our whole fc reporter gents welcome how relieved are you i know that you've uh you've both had a fair old slog boys in the uh in the winter months trying to find something to write about every day yeah, yeah, it really has, hasn't it? I think, you know, I'll speak for myself and Dan. It's great to be on the podcast. Great to finally have Rugby League back. The World Cup was brilliant. We really enjoyed that. But of course, there was still a long pre-season and it's nice now to have plenty of stories to provide to you listeners and just can't wait to get the ball rolling. Now, I honestly think it's going to be the most competitive Super League to date and still can't call who's going to finish 1-12. to It's so intriguing and bring it on. Dan, uh, well, you, you're both actually in your first full seasons of, of working uh, with us, aren't you? You had, came in, did did good job, steered the ship for, for half a season. Now you get to properly put your, 
your stamp on it. Dan, you were, I mean, you've been covering FC for years, really, but with us, how much are you uh, looking forward to watching the black and whites from the press box every week? Uh, or should I, can I say that about all FC? Because sometimes it can be relatively miserable, as you found out at the end of last year. Well, as we found out for the last 10, 15 years, to be honest, barring one or two years. So, no, it, I'm excited for this year. I'm optimistic. It's it's mainly because of what Tony's come to the club and, and done. You know, he's just freshened everything up and he, it's just his attitude and his energy and his positivity. It really is infectious. It rubs off on everyone. You know, it's fun to be around. He's, he's a good laugh as well. And that transcends to the playing group as well. So, yeah, looking forward to getting back. Back to it week in, week out. You know, it, it's a bit cliche over the FC because, you know, they say this every year that, you know, it's going to be better than last year and, and everything else. But I think this year it's it's more genuine. It feels like a, you know, fresh start, of, you know, brought in new players, the right players, you know, a new span, new way of playing, you know, talking about desire and defence as well. It's just everything seems fresh and positive. And obviously the proofs of the pudding now, they've got to produce it on the field where it matters. And you can listen to Dan on Monday, the morning Hull FC's opening round performance when they lose to Lee Radford's Castleford and he'll tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I actually think Hull FC might do all right this year. The more the more that I, li- the more that I listen, I think mean, maybe I got it wrong tipping him 11th, but time will tell. We'll get on to that game shortly. I wanted to start on the Thursday. Uh in many ways, I think this is the most interesting game of the week, boys. Warrington v Leeds. Um, Daryl Patter, look, he's under pressure, isn't he, Joe? Like, I, I, I genuinely think if they lose their first three games, I think Daryl Powell's gone. Yeah, I totally agree. You only have to look at the plays he's brought in and he, the rotten look started already for him. He's going to be without Sam Cassiano, likely. Gil Dudson, definitely. Um, and, you know, maybe Josh Maguire as well, the three NRL forwards, you know, for, sorry, that he's brought in. And I just think with Warrington, it is that cliche of it's always their year and they put so much hope and aspirations and pump a lot of money into it. I think they've got to get off to a bright start. I actually have tipped them to win against Leeds. I just, you know, I saw Leeds last weekend when they played LKR in the friendly and they're missing some key players no more so than Mikolai Oledski in the middle of the park. And I think Warrington will start a little bit stronger than last year. It can't get any worse for them, but it's so under pressure and this is going to be such a tough game. I don't know where the pendulum's going to swing. I'm just tipping Warrington because I think they're going to start well because of the season they had last year. But yeah, I think if you're a betting man, I think the odds will be slashed for Powell to be the first coach to go because he is under pressure the most for sure. I mean, you know, the reality is they've backed him. They... They made some bold calls last year, letting Mike Cooper go mid-season, who'd been one of their best players. They've massively turned over the squad. It's one of the biggest turnovers in in a squad we've, we've ever seen. What Warrington have done, he can't. He, there's no hiding place for Darrell. And in fairness, I don't think he tried to hide last year. He, he fronted up, but you've got to say, Dan, like ultimately. If they have another bad start, they can't keep backing him, can they? Because he's he's got what he wanted again. And if they if they fall flat once more, is it's going to be curtains for him, surely? Yeah, it's it's make or break from the off in it. He's probably literally got a handful of games to turn it around, or he'd be gone. That's the reality of it. Because you know the turnover is is huge. You know I can't remember last time a top league club had you know the volume that we've had coming in and coming out of the club. So he's made the change that he wants. He's brought the players in that he wants. So. There's no excuses now, and yes, it will take a little bit of time. You, know, you could say the same for most clubs, but 
you know, Warrington, they're, they're, a, they're a massive club that underachieves and they have this false pretense every year that this is the year that the family are going to win Super League and it never happens. You know, even when they reach Old Trafford, they, they fall short. So, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge year at Wire, massive year. I don't think you can play down the importance of that. And it's a little bit like what Lee Radford had at Hull in 2020. He had seven games to save his job and ultimately he didn't do it and he got sacked on the seventh one. And I think... I think it's fair to say something might happen, you know, very similar with Darrell Powell this year. It, it, he's literally got to hit the ground running from the start. I'll say this, though. I've watched Leeds four times in the pre-season, and I, I'm not falling down the trap of watching pre-season games and thinking that the team's brilliant or terrible, as so many do. But they have been pretty uninspiring. You know, forget the, forget the results, because results don't really matter. But just in terms of performance, they've not been great. I mean, Joe, you saw them play Hull KR. And while Hull KR were, were good, Leeds were really poor, weren't they? Really poor. They, they didn't get out, I wouldn't even say second gear. You know, it, it's ridiculous. Like, they couldn't even... It was the halfback pairing that really worried me, Caesar and Austin. There was just no communication. You know, we had a perfect view and we could see the moves. There was trying the hardest, but it looked like if Cameron Smith weren't playing in, as the loose man and he was calling the shots, the halfbacks weren't doing anything. And I, I do I worry for Leeds. You, we've spoke a lot about it, haven't we, Matt? And I know they're building for the future and the players they've bought, like Luke Cooley, Leon Rohn, and all them players. They are long-term, but you've got to look short-term as well. It's a cut for a sport it's a business at the end of the day and Leeds finished in the grand final runners up in 2022 I don't think at the moment seeing what they did against you know Lee Wakefield and Hull KR again it doesn't matter if you lose four pre-season matches you've got to put the performance in and against Rovers last week they just looks like a team who never played against each other and of course they're going to go to the Alliwell Jones and Warrington are going to be up for it of course Leeds are as well but they're going to have to start better they're going to have to start better than they have done the last few weeks because yeah they looks a very poor outfit but of course you can't um, judge your book by its first page no, you can't. Uh, I, I just think, look, I'll, I'll be honest, I think Warrington will win. Uh, Newman out, McDonald out, Alinsky out. There's just too many out. And and not. it's not even that you know they've lost the games. Again, I think they're irrelevant in pre-season, but they've just not played great. And there's not really been any signs of mass improvement either. So I think it might be a slow burner for the Rhinos at the start of the year. Just quickly, boys, predictions on both teams, where you think they're going to finish this year. I'll go first. I think Warrington will finish sixth. I think Leeds will finish seventh. Oh, I had... I think I had Warrington fourth, actually, didn't I? And I'll stick to my guns, so I don't want to change and go against myself. I have Warrington fourth, and I had Leeds in seventh, same as you, Matt. I can't remember what I put for one to twelve. Oh, well, St. Helens would have been top and Lee bottom. <laughs> so it's a lottery, isn't it? We'll go wire six and lead seventh. Right, we're gonna move on to Lee and Dan. Wonderful segue. Lee bottom. That's an interesting one. Gareth O'Brien, anyone who's read our pre-season supplement, Gareth O'Brien says he finds it insulting that anyone has Lee as far down as eleventh, never mind twelfth. Your response to that? The promoted club. Obviously, it's going to be realistically it'll be them or Wakefield. Wakey have an uncanny ability of, of just doing enough to stay up, as proven by last year. I remember going to Toulouse and I was on a BBC Radio Umberside and Richard Stead asked me where Wakey's next wing was coming from. I said, I have no idea, pal. And then what did they do? They went, I think they won about five out of seven games after that and stayed up. So this is what Wakefield do. Lee, you know, Lee have Blitz the championship, but Super League's an absolutely, completely different kettle of fish. And 
I don't see anything in there that will say they're guaranteed to stay up straight away. Yeah, they've signed a few players, but they've got a gel. Obviously, they've got a history of of starting a season, and then when it doesn't quite go to plan, the toys all fall out the, fall out the pram, and that's that's the challenge that they've got now to make sure it doesn't happen again. I think Dan, 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 like Zach Hardacre, Ricky Latelli, John Asiata, they aren't players that finish in a team that finish bottom of the league. What, what they've, got, they've got a gel, that's my point. They're a promoted club, they're, they're the ones that have got to come into Super League and prove something. So, yeah, it's in, it's interesting to play come out and say it's insulting, but that's that's what it is. They're a promoted side, they've got to prove. Prove that they're good enough to play in Super League week in, week out. And let's face it, 2005, 2017, 2021, we didn't do that. Joe, Joe just to move it on, Salford, um, that's, who, that's who Lee are playing. You've got to have known because Lee have plastered it everywhere. They've done a really good job with promoting it, haven't they, to be fair. Scouting for girls, the, uh, the Fire Pyro group, whatever else they've got going on, there'll be leopard print everywhere. If you're hungover, it's probably not going to be a good watch. It might hurt your eyes because that kit is. That's one thing. I, I'm struggling with that kit, lads. I'm really, I'm really struggling with that kit. It's, it's horrendous. Not... It's horrendous. It's not beat around the bush. I quite like the away one. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I quite like the away. That 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 home one is. It's a sight and not a not a good one. Um, but Joe, they, they play Salford. I think are one of these teams that. that literally could finish anywhere in the table because their squad in terms of quality is unreal but in terms of quantity is very poor and in a sport where there are so many injuries you you do have to worry about them for me what happens midway through the season when the wear and tear and the fatigue starts and the injuries start cropping up where where they're going to get the bodies from to, to win games regularly I think you've got to ride your luck, haven't you, in this Super League? And they did that last year. Don't get me wrong, they produced some fantastic performances. You know, you only have to look at the Castleford away game where it was them two fighting for a playoff spot and they put the Tigers to the sword. But again, if they start picking up injuries, you know, you've already seen what's happened to Sargent and Watkins. Probably there at the bottom of the table for squad depth, along with the likes of Lee Leopards and... It's going to be a really interesting battle. I really like Salford, the way the play, of course. We've had the big talking points of Brodie Croft, one of the biggest stories this pre-season. So, and they're trying their best to continue this mantra of fighting and fighting above the weight class and pushing for a playoff spot, getting to finals every few years. I have tipped them to be fifth this year, but it wouldn't be surprised me if they finish from fifth to tenth, like so many teams, barring the top two or three, which we probably know is going to continue. But going back to this clash on Friday night, I think it's going to be a really good spectacle. I really do. You know, two Lancashire rivals. I'm actually tipping Lee. I think they're going to start strongly. I don't um, have an affiliation to the Leopards, and we know we've spoke about the kits and stuff, but they've got people talking in this preseason, maybe sometimes not for the most positive things, but, you know, I... I want to see what they can do. And like you mentioned there, Matt, you've got players like Ricky Latelli, Zach Hardacre. I actually have them to survive and beat the drop. I just think they've got to ride the luck as well. Like so many clubs in this division, they need the best players on the field. You know, there's still a doubt whether Tom Amon will be there or not, but we'll see. I think they've got to pick up a few early wins because we know what Wakefield can do. They're obviously going to have a spell where they pick up four to five wins, maybe in six or seven games. And so I think Lee have got to pick up results early doors. And I think there could be an upset, if you want to call it, on the cards on Friday night. And I'm really looking forward to seeing scouting for girls as well. 
Yeah, me too. I, I am. I think the big key for me on that game is whether Joe Burgess and Ken Steele play mm. because they they are so important to what Salford do. And I think one thing they will get Leon is they'll strip them down the edges because they're, they're so good at that at Salford. But if they don't have that pace on the flanks, that's when I worry for them. So mm. I think they didn't play against Wigan. Whether they play on Friday or not is a big call. If they, they those two don't play, I think I'll be back in Lee, but we'll see. Uh, quickly, I think we've kind of gone through Lee predictions. Dan thinks they're going down. Joe doesn't think they're going down. I think they'll finish 10th. Salford, I'm right. I'm nervous on my tip for Salford. I've tipped them to finish fourth and and it's high. But I think in terms of even 19-man squads, I think that's how good they are. But there is an element of will they stay fit? Now, last year they did, which is why I've gone so high. But I do think if I was to be spectacularly wrong on a tip, that could be the one. Dan, where, where have you got Salford, do you think? What seventh? Around there, I think it'll be a big ask for them to reach the top six again. On the staying staying fit front, you can say that about anyone. You know, full FC, if they lose Jake Clifford, they'll struggle. Full KR, like last year, lost Jordan Abdo and Lachlan Coat. You know, Full KR probably would have been a top six side if those two stayed fit. You could say that with anyone leaves if Aiden Caesar goes down. You know, Wigan, if Jared Field goes down, or even Harry Smith these days, you know, such an influential young player. You can say that with anyone. I think there's only St. Helens that have that canny ability to actually just put the next man in. As, as we saw last year when Lewis Dodd went down. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what unfolds there. But Salford, you know, they've got, they play the game the right way. They're expansive. They're fun to watch, and I love that. And they always have been, to be fair to them. And obviously, they've got the best player in the competition in Brodie Croft, you know, England internationals, Callum Watkins, Mark Sneed, and the Ackers. So there's no reason why they can't, you know, upset the apple cart a little bit and, you know, compete for the top six again. Joe? If they can all stay fit, I've got them in the playoffs, lower end spot, of course, fifth to six. If they do pick up big injuries, anywhere between eighth and tenth. But at the moment, I have got them in fifth place. But of course, that'll see um, how the fitness drive continues throughout the season. Also on Friday, uh, and they are the relegation favourites because the bookies say so, Wakefield, uh, who hosts Catalan. Uh, there's a lot of good, good vibes coming out of Wakefield at the minute. The players seem happy. Um, I spoke to a few players who were there last year who keep in touch with the lads who are there now. And they say that genuinely they're, they're making all the right noises and that things are a lot better and they're enjoying training more. So maybe there's a surprise package tag that could go with Wakefield. But I just think they've lost too many good players, boys. Like, there's... Mm. You know, well, they, they've recruited all right. They've recruited all right. I think the players have signed are good, but you look at the list of players they've lost, and I think that's just too many to overcome for me. I mean, I saw them two weeks ago, obviously, when all played them, and it wasn't, it wasn't the way it felt that were playing round one. They had a few first-strength players, but barring that, it was a you know reserving academy side. So it wasn't a reflection of what Wakefield Trinity are going to be this year. I like the fact they've promoted from within. They've given Mark Applegarth a go. You know, maybe he'll follow what Matty Pete's done at Wigan. He knows, obviously, the Wakefield system's inside out. He knows the players inside out. And most importantly, the players like and respond to him. I did a lengthy interview with Reese Lynn for his testimonial, and he was speaking about, you know, how Wakefield are unfancied every single year, but how they, you know, they come together every single year. And they, and they, and they do. They stay up. That's what they do. You know, they've got great resilience. They've got, you know, some very good players still. Yes, they have lost players, but there's still a lot of talent in that side. So, I, I generally do believe they will stay up this year and they will surprise a few people. 
Oh, I, I don't know. You know, I think you can only hang by that thread for so long. And I have nothing against Wakefield, a proper old-fashioned team. You know, I like going to the ground, you know, as much stick as it gets. But I just think if you're going off squad depth and skill and players that they've lost, I'd, I think it could be the year to go down. We don't know what's going to happen with IMG, so they could go down and obtain a licence in the future. But at this point of time, I think Lee have got a stronger side than them. You mentioned the players, the lost Matt, and of course a few of them like Terry Arona, David Fafita, they were retiring anyhow, so there was always going to lose them, but losing players like Tom Johnson to Catalan Dragons, James Batchelor, who, who, if I'm keeping my red and white cap on, out of the seven signings that have come to Craven Park, he's my tip to be the you know the most favourable one, and I know you really like him as well, Matt. I just think for their squad depth, you look at, you go into their late tens and into the mid and the early 20s and it is full of young kids and you've got to have that experience in Super League they're a bit of an aging team as well with some of the senior figures in there of course they've got some talent and they're going to produce some shock results but you combine a new coach who yeah, he knows Wakefield in and out but he's not experienced at Super League level and a team who have lost a lot of players and I just think it could be a really difficult year for him. I know they like having this, you know, underdog tag, but it can only last for so long. And I think if Lee want to become a Super League team consistently, they'll be looking at this division and thinking, this is where we've got to go for it. You know, we, you know what Beaumont's like. You could imagine they'll spar players throughout the season because he's known for that. But I think if I was a Wakefield fan, I'd be expecting definitely either 12th or 11th. And of course, we'll see where it goes. But at the minute, they're my tip to go down. What do we make of Catalans, lads? I... I... <sighs> Not for me, I mean, not for me this year. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what it is. I just think, you know, they, they've lost they've lost a few players that I don't think they've replaced. They're still looking for an outside back, and, and depending on who they bring in, you know, opinion may change, I suppose. But I just don't think the squad's as strong as it was last year in terms of the actual players they've got. And, you know, we, we've, we've got to be honest, Sam Tompkins is a year older, Mickey Max a year older. I just... I just don't think... I think they're, they're heading into a transitional period and I think that will start this year, personally. Yeah, I think you mentioned them players there. They didn't set the world on fire in the World Cup and, you know, I know they're playing a lot better teams than they will in Super League when they come up against, like, your Samoas and stuff. But still, I think your Tompkins and your McAloran's been great servants to the game, but it can't last forever and they're going into the mid-30s now. They haven't got many seasons left. Mitchell Pierce is coming to the end as well of his career and they're doing really well with the development of the French players, but this is no disrespect to the French players. Are they ready to come in Super League? The Elite One division over there is going from strength to strength but there's still a, a fine margin between that division and our league and I think in the long run it could work for them and I know obviously Toulouse as well there want to bed plenty of French players through to improve their international game but in the here and now I just don't think they've got the squad depth they've got the star talent like they used to have four or five years ago and they have they've lost a few players I've still got a few question marks over the signings Dan will know I'll know more than me on Manu Mal from when I saw him. I thought he was good, but again, it's keeping him fit like a lot of overseas players when they come to Super League. Adam Kerrigan, I haven't seen him a lot in the NRL. I know he was at the Roosters and people are saying he could maybe be a spark in Super League, but only time will tell. And if they are looking for an outside back, it could change our predictions. But at the moment, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near a relegation battle, but they're going to find it um, tough. And I've got them in between that 10th and 7th mark at the moment. Yeah, I have a mate. Dan? Yeah, I can't really disagree with any of that. The problems with Catalans, they have got a lot of resilience. They showed that last year. They know how to grind teams out. It's not necessarily pretty, but if it gets a result, who cares? 
Sam Tompkins knows how to play the game inside out. You know, his rugby league knowledge is incredible. I think we saw that with, with England and the interviews that he gave, you know, during that World Cup series. There's still something there from the young players like Arthur Morg, you know, Mathieu Laguerre has already played for Toulouse this year. They're obviously still coming through and, you know, really want to make the mark on Soap League. But, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think with Catalans, there's a sour taste left on what happened last year. I know, Matt, you felt for your safety a little bit in that playoff game. It, that's the bad side of the French, isn't it? And, and you always get that, some, you know, at the start there, uh, Gilbert Brutus, especially when they get beat. I know it's just a little bit of a sour taste what happened there. It didn't really sit well with me. But, yeah, Steve McNamara has to deliver. He has got cap dispensions at Catalans that other clubs don't have. Obviously, there's a little bit of a quarter allowance there as well. You know, they spend more money than anyone else, obviously, because they're allowed to. They've brought in big plays again. Manuel Mao is absolutely brilliant when he stays fit, but obviously with two big injuries at Hull FC last year, his hamstring and then a broken arm, it's, it's when he stays fit. You can say the same for a few others as well. And yeah, they've lost a few big front men as well. They've obviously brought in CSO Itakioho to, you know, to replace some of them. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting one in the South for France, for sure. I think they'll I think they'll make the top six just, but it won't surprise me if they didn't either. But that's the beauty of Super League, I think you can say that about for about five or six teams. Yeah, true. Uh, and just predictions on who will win on Friday. I think... I think Wakey might sneak a win, actually. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> just go back, Wakefield. Let's start, let's start as I mean to go on. Wakefield to edge it by, like, four points. Well, I'll say Catalan by six. I don't think it's going to be a classic in West Yorkshire, but the Dragons may just ground the result out. And that takes us to our first Channel 4 game of the season. And it is Hull KR v Wigan. Joe, it would be a miss of me not to come to you first. Hull KR, uh, eye-catching recruitment, a new coach, albeit a unproven one. Is the air of optimism around Craven Park at the minute justified? I think so. If you look at what's going on on and off the field. This is going to be a long-term project, but you've got to start somewhere. And of course, you can sign all the players in the world. You've got to gel. And from seeing, going to Tenerife with the lads and speaking to them on a daily basis and being in and around the club for numerous years, like Dan has been with LFC, they're very close. They're, you know, they pride themselves on being a bunch of mates before a Super League team. In a good way, they've got a lot of experience. They've got some talented youngsters in Mikey Lewis and Phoenix Lawali Tonga guy and but that's the big question in it we can rave about what Willie Peters is going to do but he's an unproven coach much like Mark Applegarth at Wakefield the only difference is the nationality I know um Peters has been an assistant in the NRL, but you know, for every Justin Holbrook, you get a Craig Sandercock or a Peter Gentle. So you've got to take it with a pinch of salt at the moment. They are doing a lot of good things and the the changing the mentality and the ethos around the club, which has needed to be done for a long, long time. But Rome wasn't built in a day. I, th- I think they've got a lot of good things going for them. They've got the side to do it now, but there is so much talent from 1 to 12 in this Super League division. If they'd have had this team five, six years ago, I'd have probably nailed them on for a top six. But at this moment, I still think they've got a very good chance of being in the playoffs. But they've got to gel. They've got to have a bit of luck. They've got to... 
that you know the the rugby league gods have got to help them out a bit because it seemed like it was a bit of an excuse. But you only have to look at how many injuries they got in twenty twenty two, and to only be a few points off making the playoffs, they do deserve a lot of credit for that. With a coach leaving as well, and a lot of off field issues, but it is it's exciting. I think they've got to start well. You you go back to twelve months ago when they played Wigan, and there was still that air of optimism going into another season with Tony Smith. They just finished in the semi final of Super League and. You're going, yeah, we've signed Lachlan Coote, we've got this brand new side and we welcome Wigan to Craven Park, who absolutely, you know, dominated the Robins that day. And then the doom and gloom started from round one and it did eventually pick up. But I think on Saturday, Channel 4, the K's playing before the game, Craven Street with a new makeover, over 10,500 people in Craven Park and a good away support from the Warriors. Willie Peters will want to get off to a good start. And I think it's vital that Rovers do, after following him for so many years, you only have to look at the first 10 games of each season. You you couldn't pick Rovers to be in the top six of any division if you look at the stats, the way they start. They always are chasing that travelling pack and that's been the big process this year is no we start strong and we want people to chase us rather than the other way around so it's going to be such a tough test you know Wigan haven't got any injuries there's still the Wigan from last year who've got Bevan French and Jarfield and Rovers are under no illusion that it's going to be an easy game but I think the supporters are going to help as well and it should be a really fascinating spectacle like a lot of games are going to be this weekend and Hopefully, the first game on Channel 4, Terrestrial TV, both teams put up a good showing because we love the Channel 4 coverage. You know, your interview earlier was really good and bigger and better things are going to come from that network and hopefully both teams can put on a show for the viewers. Dan Wigan, I won't ask you about KR because uh, clearly it's going to be crazy a fair contrast from Joe. Well, no, maybe not. Maybe I'm being harsh. But Wigan, um, are they... Are they good enough to compete with St. Helens this year? <laughs> Is anyone good enough to compete with St. Helens this year? That's that they're the benchmark. They've won four titles. They're the team to beat. So you could say that literally about everyone. But I like Wigan. I've got a lot of respect for Wigan. They're a good club with good ethoses and, and they bring through their own players and they always have them. I love that. You know, they play such a massive emphasis on their academy and the, you know the Wigan way of doing things. And you know, you can see that now with Morgan Smithies, Ethan Havard, you know, players like that, and Harry Smith at halfback, who I've already mentioned. So, yeah, they've got two absolute superstars in Bevan French and Jai Field. That's why, you know, I've paid all my life to go watch rugby league, to watch players like that, because they excite you, they captivate you. That, that's what the sport's all about, that pace and that skill. And, I, you know, I love watching people like that. So, yeah, I think Wigan can push St. Helens. The, they went a million miles off last year. Obviously, they won the Challenge Cup, and then obviously they got caught cold in the playoff game against, well, what was it? was an incredible resurgence from the Lee Drano's side. So it happens, doesn't it? But, you know, Wigan, they've lost, when you think about it, they've lost two out of three seasons. They've lost in 2019 to Salford and lost, obviously, last year to Leeds in home playoff games. They haven't been to Old Trafford since 2018. Obviously, there was the Super, Super League uh, Grand Final in Hull, obviously, which they made. But that, that, that'll hurt Wigan because they're a massive club with high expectations and they'll want to put that right and they'll be absolutely hell-bent on you know, making sure that they're the team to, you know, go past St. Helens and meet them again in the grand final and beat them. So, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. They're a good team. You know, they're hard, hard team to break down. You know, they're tough, they're resilient, they excite you as well these days. And they've got a really good, likeable coach in Matty Pete as well. So, yeah, why not? I'm looking forward to watching them. Predictions, boys. I'll go... I think it's a tricky one, this. I think, I think just because of continuity, I'm going to go Wigan just because I think they've got a little bit more, they should have a little bit more cohesion and fluency, having not really seen mass changes to the team. I've got Wigan to finish third in the league. 
and I've got Hulk here to finish fifth. Um, I had Wigan second, Rovers fifth, like you, Matt. And then if you're going on Saturday, of course, I've got to back, you know, the team I report on. And so I'm going to say, I'm going to go Rovers bar one. I'm going to go Lachlan Coop drop goal. So oh, put wow. your tips in now. So is that 27 rounds then you can't back against OKR even when you think they're going to get beat? <laughs> <laughs> that is what we mean to go on. It basically means I've lost 20 quid on the tipping league. I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Joe... Oh, how long do we reckon it'll be until Joe tips against Hull KR? Round I'll get nine rounds. I reckon it'll take nine rounds of resilience before he cracks. <laughs> well, round three, we've got Lee down at home, so I won't be tipping uh, Lee yeah. then. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I'd tip who I think is going to like If I don't think I'll win, I'll tip against them, as I did many times last year. I got proven right. But yeah, I think yeah, we're going to finish second. I think Rovers will be on the cusp of the top six, maybe seventh or eighth, something like that. But there's no reason why they can't finish in the top six. Again, it's very cliche. I've said it before, but you can literally say the same for half a dozen clubs in this league. And that's refreshing, I think, because it's nice not knowing what's going to happen. You know, obviously, we know that St. Helens are very good. We know that Wigan will always be up there. But it's nice having, you know, a medley of teams that could be fighting for the last four positions. I think that's refreshing and it's welcome and bring it on. And I think, yeah, Wigan to. To edge Hull KR out, I think it'd be a great game. You know, I, I love Channel 4's coverage. I think they've been a breath of fresh air for rugby league. So let's hope they start with a bang. It's a really entertaining clash. And finally, uh, on the other side of Hull, because uh, they are both at home this week, which doesn't always happen, uh, FC host Castleford, which, of course, has become slightly more eye-catching as a fixture because of uh, the unfortunate, shall we call it, uh, circumstances around Joe Westerman. Uh, he has been fined uh, and will serve community service. Probably not a great deal we can say about that, other than it does seem like he's going to play and there are probably going to be a lot of people who now buy a ticket, Dan, just because Joe Westerman is going to play and they can hurl some abuse at him. I'm glad you started with tickets there, mate, because I think this needs shouting from the rooftops. There'll be a minimum, and I say that again, minimum, of 20,000 people watching rugby league in the city of Hull this weekend. That could rise to 25. I know that Hull are on the cusp of 13,000. Rovers should be looking at five figures as well. So you know, I think that's a massive achievement from both Hull clubs, you know, especially in the current climate, you know, cost of living crisis and everything that's going on right now. Obviously, you know, the back end of the you know coronavirus uh, pandemic, you know, some people obviously still wary about going out in, into crowded spaces. So I think that that should be shouted massively, you know, especially with obviously rugby league, you know, fighting for every column inch, you know, every minute on TV and basically every ticket sale it can get. So that's huge. And yeah, and I think the West of an incident will put some figures onto the gate. It will intrigue obviously a lot of people. Might put a few cast fans off because they'll wonder how, how their side is going to respond to obviously what happened over the weekend. But yeah, things will, things looking good for that clash, you know, off the field. You know, Hull have obviously done the members initiative, you know, two, two members could buy, sorry, one member could buy two extra tickets to, you know, get the mates and the family and the ground and they're on course for, you know, a huge figure on the back of that. So credit to them and credit to Rovers as well for what they're doing at Craven Park. So, yeah, good things for the City of Hull. Should be an interesting game. Hull always start well, don't they? That's the thing with LSC, they start well. You know, things look good. You look at both of Rodgers' years, 2021, 2022, they'll fought, you know, Fought for fifth come come June in both years, and then it all collapsed. So, yeah, it'd be nice to start with a win. You know, obviously a few players, you know, uh, 
touch and go with injuries, but it's, I don't think it's the be all and end all in starting. Well, it's it, all I've shown that it's how you finish. So I want to see Hull FC get better, bigger, and stronger as the year unfolds. And I think that's more, much more important for all this year. Don't want to see them, you know, have nine out of ten rounds, you know, looking looking decent, you know, top four again, only to collapse again. So that'll be the challenge. It should be an interesting game. Also, Lee Radford got the double over Hull last year, so Hull have got a point to prove there, getting one of their old boss. Obviously, the Joe Weston, the fact that again, it is, it's huge. It'll be interesting to see how Cash respond, but. Now, I'm more interested about rugby league, rugby league matters, and be interesting to see how Hull's new signings click for will be playing. Texoy, Liam Sutcliffe, Brad Dwyer, Jake Clifford. It'd be interesting to see how, how they gel into this side. All the signs have been positive so far. I'm just looking forward to watching LFC again, getting back into the ground of it, and you know, seeing how Tony Smith's new methods and new ideas and new philosophies embed into this LFC team. And just quickly before we wrap up. Predictions for the game. I am going to go with a. This is a tricky one because I fancy FC, but and Daniel know this. In in recent years, even at LFC, Lee Radford teams started. And when I say start, I mean the first couple of rounds. I've always started well. well this is what I mean. Hull start well. This is what they've done for and numerous amount of years now. Um, <laughs> it's what happens July, August, September. That's been the problem. So, yeah, yeah I cast. No, no, I don't think anybody at Hull FC will be under any disillusions that Castleford are going to come, you know, to Hull on Sunday and put up a good fight because you know, they they only missed out on the playoffs in the last round last year. So they're a good team, you know, with some very good players. Yeah, I'll 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 back Hull. I'll back FC. Joe. If- Tomb of Harvey and Sal play FC if they don't cast. But it's going to be, I'm really looking for, I'm going to go along, um, sit with Dan and stuff. I think it's going to be a real cracker. I'm looking forward to it. It could go either way. Um, but I, I do think Hull start well. And I think I've seen Tony do it at Rovers, you know, for the past three or four seasons. So I think they will start well. And yeah, I'm going to say Hull very, bad. just a few points. I can't call it at the minute though. Beautiful. Well, boys, thank you very much for your input in uh, the first ever House of League. Thank you for coming along. I don't mean to uh, kick you to the touchline, but we've got Scully up next. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're Are you saying he's more important than me and Dan? Possibly. Well, Possibly. Well, but maybe. We'll, let it, we'll let it off because he was quite a good player, wasn't he? He was all right. He, yeah. yeah, not bad. Not bad. Speaking of which, we uh, let's introduce the man himself. We spoke to Paul this week ahead of the World Club Challenge to get his thoughts on whether his former club, St. Helens, could do what he did and become world champions. And also whether he felt that his side would be able to beat the current crop. Here's Paul Scofield. Can you all not be world champions? Yeah, they can. They most definitely can. Uh, I think they've got, to, they've got to be at the best. They've got to come out of the blocks. They've got to start quick. Um, and, and get stuck into these guys. What does it take to win a World Cup challenge? I think a, a, a top performance. I think you, you can't be, you know, you, you can't be um, rattled by, you know, by playing the, the Australian champions. I think you, you give them the respect that they do in regards to, you know, they're a quality team. But you've got to get stuck into these. You know, you've got to come out of the blocks and and, and show them that. You know what I've always said that our our top teams, you know, be it at, at club level or at international level, you know, there's not a lot in it. You know what I've found over the years in regards to the, the Australians, where we struggle is that is that that strength in depth and that that pool of players. I think you know your best 
your best players, there's not a million miles in it. You know, we've seen 2017, you know, World Cup was won by four, four points. And, um, these are these are one-off occasions and, and because of where they are positioned in the, in, the, in the season as well, right at the beginning, you know, teams have, you know, they're both underdone or, or, the, or they're both fresh. You know, it's uh, you can't read a lot into it, and I don't think you can read a lot into what's happened in previous years either. How do you think this team compares to that unbelievable team you played in when you won the treble? So I was at a forum for for Kyle uh, on, uh, on on Thursday, and um, this got asked, and I just think it's it's, it's a difficult one to. To try and judge eras, you know, I, I think we had a we had an exceptional team, um, but the, the game evolves, and I suppose you can only play against what's in front of you. And and, and you know, the, the the current team, you know, they're they're, they're, a, they're an outstanding, you know. What I mean, to to carry that for for four years, you know, at that, at that level and and that consistency, you know, it's. Um, I just think it's it's difficult to to, to compare eras. You know, I'd, I'd love to see a game though. I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to have played in a game. Play, yeah, yeah. Play like in a simulator. Yeah, yeah. Find out how it, it would be amazing. It'd be fascinating. Yeah. The, the style of plays are quite different. Yeah. As well. Yeah, yeah. The way that you guys play compared to how they play. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying about you know comparing eras. The, the game evolves. You know, now today's game is all about speed of ruck. It's about you know completing sets and field position. Um, don't get me wrong, that was in hours, but you try getting there with a bit more, a bit more skill and a bit more yeah. flair as well. Um, but yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be. I mean, you know, we had a. I look at probably our two best teams, probably 2001, 2006. Um, yeah, it'd be it'd make for an interesting game, it, anyway. It's funny, isn't it? Because a lot of people say that without without question, you guys would win. But then, I think. It's hard. It is so hard to know that because, like you said, the games are both like physically. Some of the, the, the see, see, you get, you get yeah, but you, you know, you get asked, you get asked like about, you know, the current game and you know, would would your era live with this in regards to physically and fitness and I don't well, you'd, see you train different. Well, I don't see, I don't see any any. Do you not see do, change? No, I don't. No, I don't see. I don't see the different. I know. I know how we used to train. I know mm. the stuff that we used to do. And I know. You know results on on what bikes and rowers and yeah, yeah. you know yeah it's more scientific it can, it can be to the detriment of the players yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think you know a lot of pre seasons now are done off GPS mm-hmm. you know they've got a number what they're going to do before they do it yeah. and whether you know it's enough whether the, you know whether the players have been taken to that dark place where you know pre season where you, you've got to dig in yeah. you know when the times come tough. You know, and so scientifically, you know, that might be the better way of training. It might be proven. That's that's why they do it. Um, so yeah, you can you can only really judge with with what you know. Um, yeah. You know what's gone before. I think it's fair to say that no matter who's played in the two teams, no matter what era they played, they would have. You know, I look at from Tommy Makinson could have gone back to two thousand six and still been fantastic. Likewise, you could be playing now and still be fun it's not it's not that much different no 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 that's what I say I don't think I don't think there's a a lot of difference and you know it was funny somebody asked asked the question they didn't ask it to me they asked it to I think it was Gilly Um, which of the current players would get in your side 
Well done. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I, do you know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't disrespect players in regards to saying that that, that, that some wouldn't or some would, um, because you compare them to the players that we have. Yeah. You know, I look at wingers. I'm the biggest Tommy Makinson fan in the world. Yeah. I'm the biggest Matt Percival fan in the world. I also look at you know we had Darren Albert, we had, <laughs> we had Jamie Lyon, we had you know um, Martin Gleeson. We had some exceptional players and. Um, so it's, 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 it's hard it's hard and again the responsibilities and roles of every player in every position has changed you yeah. know like like now yardage is everything for a well maybe yeah, not, I mean, not as much and, back and, in the day. and some some I think to the detriment of the game yeah. you know my position 13 well, we don't even call you, you go you go to any training session now and listen to coaches and they don't they don't talk about props and loose forwards they're all medals you know you look at the, the way they play most clubs play with with three props or three medals which has taken away you know pretty much a, a ball playing edge player you know strike player there um, like the way I used to play or, or Farrell used to play Lock, Lockers was probably the last one yeah yeah um, so you look at a, a lot of these clubs now um, I mean Morgan Knowles he based his game off, off his off his running game and, yeah. and his, his efforts on D yeah, um, he's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, a yeah. phenomenal player, and it just shows how the game's changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one player who was interesting who mentioned you that he wants to bring bring it back was Cameron Smith at least. He said, "I want to be that. Want to bring it yeah. back to like yeah. he was well, well, the shirt." Yeah, I mean, Cam come through, didn't he? He was a, he was a child superstar, you know, coming through the ranks at Leeds, and and he was very much of that ilk, you know, and that 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 kind of player. 13 like me you, you know he's, he likes to play football he's, he's got a kicking game he's got a running game yeah, um, yeah and he, it's funny you know I've, I've worked with I've worked with Cam at England Youth and, and Academy and, um, and then, then, sorry the, the Knights um, and yeah you, you do see traits of like that old Thirteen, and it? and it must frustrate him, you know, when you when you're thrown in the thing and classed as a as a medal. Yeah, yeah. You know, not yeah. A, not having a specific role there of, you know, and I think it, I think it will come back because I think I think the the game recognises that, and, and certainly coaches do that, you know, those teams that play, you know, you look at the ones who've had all the success certainly throughout the the seasons. You know, he likes the Saints. Like when Cass won the, yeah, won, yeah. Won the, the league leaders, um, they played football. You know, it's um, it can be done. Sir. It can be done, but it's it's got to be it's it's, it's got to be done correctly. It's, it's interesting because you you've been in that coaching circle and seen a little bit, and you hear what the coach is saying and the logic behind it. Why do you think that play that skill flair, whatever you want to call it? Why do you think it has gone out of the game? I think there's, a, I think there's a lot. I think, I think somebody's brought it in, and I think there's a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon, copied, and, and kind of felt that that's the way that the game's got to be played. Mm. But I see it now, and, and being involved in that that setup, and certainly, you know, working with likes of Wayne and, and Paul Anderson over over the England setup over the last few years, you know, they, they want to be less restrictive with, with players and let players play. You know, one of the big ones for Wayne was always two points of attack. Mm-hmm. So literally, wherever you are on the field, there's, there's two options to go. Yeah. Um, and then it's up to you to play what's in front of you. You know, which of them two options is the, is the correct one. 
Um, so a lot of that is based on, and then it's your, then it's your, your execution, your skill level, you know, which is is a big one for Saints at a weekend. You know, I think we we've seen a, a great performance certainly in that first half. You know, started dropping off with a, with a few errors within that. You cannot afford to do that. And for me, that's what coaching is is you know letting players express themselves knowing what's in front of them what they recognise in front of them but then executing it with the skill to, to make the most of that um, that and, and, and fitness for me is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a big element Ed coaching do you fancy it? no yeah. <laughs> do you know what I, I, I don't I get this over rightly because I, I you know I, I owe rugby league a lot and that, but I don't live and breathe it enough yeah. Um, I have a lot of stuff away from away from the game, a lot of businesses which I've, I've always enjoyed, which probably made my decision to retire when I did because I had other stuff set up and that I wanted to, to jump into. That's you know it's going to be me for the for the next twenty five years or whatever. Um, so no, no, the it was my perfect job is is doing what I do now, working on the England. Pathway, so yeah. working with the Knights, you know, assisting where I can on the on the senior stuff, you know, working with the likes of Mikey Lewis who's seen tonight, you know, them sort of young players where I can have a an input, you know, and it's only I'm talking over a, a over a, a matter of you know a few camps or whatever where you can you can work with these guys, yeah. give them a bit of what I've learned throughout the game and, and a bit more like a, a mentorship and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and. Yeah. That's what I really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not the day-to-day mundane stuff. And, and any head coach will tell you it's not all about coaching. No, you know, it's about all the other stuff. And yeah, it was. It's not really something that I wanted to do. So I've got a nice mix of still being involved in the game. You know, a bit of coaching, doing a bit of media stuff and all yeah. that, and then obviously my own stuff away. One of the game's greats there. Paul Schoolfolk talking St. Helens World Club Challenge and plenty more. That is all for this week. Big thank you to everyone who has got involved in what is our first ever podcast. We'll be doing these every week. We're going to have special podcasts throughout the season on various different matters. Really hope that you enjoy this. Make sure to subscribe, listen every week, and we will keep bringing you the biggest and best guest. Thanks again. I've been Matt Shaw. And if nothing else, make sure you enjoy your rugby league. Take care.